RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, joined by my co-host, Justin Watson, and uh, lots of things to cover today. We're going to recap the uh, two events that we had this past week on Fight Island for the UFC. We'll preview uh, the upcoming bouts for this weekend. We've got a Bellator card and a UFC card, and uh, got a little news as well, uh, as we are in a a bit of a lull here with our our COVID uh, shutdown here in Tennessee. We are uh, back on the books for two cards, September the 4th, September the 12th. It is going to be Valor number 72 on Friday, September the 4th, we can announce that the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe be working on that card in the coming days, so we'll have lots of uh, material in the in the coming weeks as we preview that, as well as a return to Chattanooga, as we'll be at the Camp Jordan Arena in East Ridge, Tennessee, which is just on the outskirts there of Chattanooga, with a big Pro-Am show. First time we've been down in Chattanooga uh, for in nearly a year, so that'll be uh, Valor 73 on Saturday, September the 12th. Uh, Justin, it's good to uh, to finally hold, uh, get the get the ball rolling again. You know, we, we got a show in there uh, at the beginning of this month, and then uh, we're we're back on a little break. But it looks like we're about to pick back up. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's good to hear. I'm ready to get back in there and get you know have it be a regular uh, a thing again. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It'll be really good to hopefully get a little bit of momentum going uh, into the fall here. We hope. Uh, let's dive into uh, the week that was. We had two shows from Fight Island, and uh, you know we started out with uh, some midweek action, Wednesday action. It was the UFC on ESPN number thirteen, headlined by oh gracious, headlined by uh, Calvin Cater and Dan Ige. That's a fight that we were really excited for, um, you know, uh, in the lead up to it. And this one uh, delivered a lot of action. You know, Calvin Cater was the was the uh, the favorite coming into this fight. Uh, nearly three to one, and uh, and uh, with a number six ranking uh, coming into this one, he knocks off number ten Dan Ige by unanimous decision. Most judges, uh, or two out of three judges, had it four to one. One had it three to two. I thought Ige was competitive here, especially early, uh, you know. But Cater, as we spoke about last week, just so accurate with his striking. Uh, you know, he's got power. He's big. He's got a chin. He's just a he's a real big problem to solve for a lot of guys. And, uh, you know, I think that with this win, he should probably get a shot at a, at a top five guy to start getting his name up in the mix to fight uh, Volkanovski. I'd like to see him and Ortega go. Uh, your thoughts on uh, this main event, uh, Justin? It was a great fight, man. You know, Calvin Cater was just a little bit too much, but I was super impressed with Ige. And, uh, you know, he, he stayed in there and kept fighting the whole time. You know, I, I, I had Cater uh, finishing the fight. Um, to you know, I didn't expect Ige to to be able to withstand it, but he stayed in there and was throwing big shots the whole time. I mean, he was, he was game. So it was a great fight. The co-main event saw Tim Elliott, uh, who just re-signed a, a deal, a renewal with the UFC for three more fights, take a unanimous decision over Ryan Benoit. All the judges had it two rounds to one. Um, uh, a lot of people thought Benoit won this. Benoit thought he won it. You know, the numbers say that Elliot landed more. But, you know, watching the fight, I was on Tim Elliott heavy. That was one of my key pieces of uh, parlays and uh, and uh, DFS lineup. So I was, you know, hoping to see him win. But I was scared, to tell you the truth, because this seemed like the more 
you know, telling blows were being landed by Benoit there. Uh, what, what was your take on this one? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of, you know, going into it, that was Benoit's biggest chance of winning, you know, was to land a big shot. And uh, he was throwing them the whole time, but I was, I'm with you. I was on Elliott pretty hard, so uh, I was probably watching it pretty biased. But, um, you know, I, I thought that, that he won the fight. Um, I didn't think it was I didn't think it was a bad call at all. Now, one thing that we saw from Elliot, you know, that we, you know, his, his cardio had failed him in, for a couple of fights in a row where he came out super, uh, super strong and aggressive in the first round, but then fade. It did look like he had that issue kind of shored up here. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he shot 13 takedowns, only landed one of them. Um, so he was, you know, incredibly active. Uh, and, and like you said, you know, it didn't, he didn't fade in the end. He was, he was still going just as hard at the, at the end of the belt. Feature bout, featherweights, uh, well, what well, it was fought as at the featherweight division, but these guys are bantamweights uh, for all intents and purposes. As Jimmy Rivera defeats uh, Cody Stamen, number nine over number 10 here. It was uh, Jimmy Rivera over Cody Stamen, unanimous decision. Uh, two judges had it three to nothing, and one judge had it two to one. Um, I was on Rivera pretty heavy here. I thought that the wrestling would be uh, kind of canceled out, and I thought Rivera's striking attack was just a little more varied. He was able to stave off pretty much all, maybe not all, but almost all of the takedown attempts that Cody Stamen threw at him and uh, was able to outland him there. Uh, Rivera, it's a good win for him. Not a terrible loss for Stamen, I think, but, uh, you know, you know, Rivera is a guy that's been fighting just the very top of the division. So uh, I, I felt like Stamen, uh, all respect to him, was a bit of a step down here. And, and I liked him in this spot. Yeah. Um, you know, he needed a, a big win. Stamen's not an easy guy to go out there and get a win over. Uh, he's going to be pressing you the whole time. Um, you know, he's, he's shooting a couple times around at least. And, um, you know, ultimately it was the takedown defense and, and the striking uh, of Rivera was just too much, you know. Um he just was able to to to, to outland him, like you said, and um, Stamen just couldn't do much about it. So I was still looking pretty good here at the top of the card, but uh, it falls off for me uh, pretty drastically from here. Uh, it was uh, the ladies in action next. Flyweights as number 15 Molly McCann took on uh, uh, Tyler Santos. And, uh, you know, this is a fight that I was on McCann. I, I wasn't impressed with Santos in her debut against uh, Mara Romero Barella, who I don't clock to be one of the division's elite. I, I clocked McCain over her, but maybe that was just a, a bad showing in her octagon debut because she looked really good here. Taylor Santos, just too big, too athletic, uh, too much takedown defense uh, for Molly McCann. And she takes a uh, unanimous decision win a three to nothing on all the judges scorecards, big win for Santos. And I assume she will get a number next to her name here soon. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that it was, you know, just kind of a case of the UFC jitters maybe in her first fight. Um, her takedown defense was, you know, 100%. Uh, she landed five out of seven takedowns of her own, outstruck her, um, you know, and, you know, had a pretty pretty dominant performance. One judge had it, uh, it you know, scored one of the rounds of 10-8. So, um, you know, Molly McCann is, is no easy day at the office. So, I think it was a big win for her, and, you know, she'll definitely – she definitely turned some heads, I think. Yeah, you know they're they're you know they're looking for some some girls to build up there in that flyweight division to be contenders, uh, you know, because it's so 
it's so uh, such a drastic leap to the top, if you will. So you know, Santos has a sixteen and one record now, which is pretty impressive, I gotta say. Um, you know, the uh, opening bout on the uh, main card, another upset here, and I, I was scared of this one. I, I was uh, I was on the favorite here, but, uh, but but was scared to death and knew that I was in trouble early. It was uh, the return of Abdul Razak El Hassan, who had been out for a couple of years with some uh, legal issues that he had uh, dropped. You know, he was found not guilty, but there was a lot of questions still as to what kind of shape he would be in. You know, he was known for having very heavy hands, scoring some big knockouts, you know, knocked out Nico Price in less than a minute. So he, he's a very formidable striker taking on the debuting Mornir Lezez who was, uh, I want to say, was he a Turkish fighter maybe? Uh, He he was an Arab fighter, I know. Uh, But I want to say maybe he was from Turkey. I could be wrong. But uh, anyway, he came in with a good record, and uh, I I thought that he was just kind of, uh, you know, being served up to Al Hassan uh, as as a comeback fight because you know Al Hassan coming in four and one in the UFC is a guy they could possibly build as a contender. But uh, Al Hassan came in heavy first of all. Uh, he didn't look like his normal shredded up diesel self. And after the weigh-ins, I started doubting this pick. And after about midway through the first round, I was really doubting it because you know Al Hassan hit Lazez with everything but the kitchen sink. Uh, you know. Early in that round, it hit him hard, but Lezez's chin held up. He never went down. He just kept absorbing shots and, and following back with knees and elbows, and you could just tell that Al Hassan was going to gas as the fight went on, and uh, it got worse and worse. It ended up being a unanimous decision win for Lezez, who got it 3 to nothing on one judge's scorecard, 2-1. Uh, to one. On the first, uh, on the third judge's scorecard, 2-1. But a uh, big upset win for Lezez. I was on the wrong side of that one, too. How about you? Yeah, I I got lucky um, and, and went against Alisson on that one. I was questioning myself going into it, though, just, you know, not knowing much about Lizez. But um, like you said, when that, that first barrage came out, uh, you know, it was it looked like Alisson was going to gonna just walk through him. But uh, once he once he took that first flurry, then uh, it turned around and, you know, Lizez outstruck him. I think it looked great on the feet, um, landed fourth. All, all four of his takedown attempts, uh, you know, and I, I think it was a big, a big win for him. And I think he's from, I don't know, I want to say he's from, uh, not Dubai. I don't know. He's, he's from one, maybe I think Saudi Arabia, maybe. Yeah, he's certainly near the, from near the area. He's kind of like yeah. the hometown guy of anything. Right, right. I didn't I mean, man, he looked great. I thought he, I thought it was a great showing for him. Um, and like you said, they gave him, you know, they gave him a, a tall task and. He came in there and performed. The undercard, uh, let's see here. I'll, I'll take these a few at a time. Uh, the top of the undercard here, we saw the UFC debut of Kamzat Chimeev, who was a short-notice replacement uh, for uh, Dusko Todorovic, as he took on middleweight uh, banger John Phillips, the uh, the Englishman uh, you know, known to have very heavy hands, but known to also have very – lackluster ground skills. So uh, I think me and a lot of people were heavy on Chimaev here, who uh, got the second round submission by Darce Choke pretty easily. I mean, he was 
fairly dominant in this fight at all times, even though he didn't get the finish in the first round. I mean, it was really never in doubt here as uh, Chimaev uh, gets a win in his UFC debut, and it looks like he's going to have a quick turnaround. He is going to be competing on the card that we are going to be previewing this weekend on 10 days turnaround. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, that here uh, as well. We saw Jared Gordon uh, drop back down to featherweight, takes unanimous decision, pretty dominant. It was 30-26 on all the cards over Chris uh, Fishgold, he was really able to uh, utilize his wrestling here and keep Fishgold uh, just grounded and just ineffective, essentially. Uh, your thoughts on uh, these two for the prelims? Uh, yeah, Jerry Gordon looked great, man. You know, he had a lot of uh, adversity going into the fight, losing his corners and, and all that stuff. But uh, he, he performed, you know, as, as well as, as he could, could have expected to. And uh, things looked great in there. Um, and Shimmy have the same thing, you know, man, that guy's, he's, a uh, he's dangerous, um, you know, with his, with his wrestling and his submissions. And, um, I think it's cool that he's getting this turnaround pretty quick. You know, he was, he was asking for it right away and, uh, it worked out for him. So we saw an upset before that a slide upset, not a huge upset, but a bit of an upset. Uh, another one I was on the wrong side of, uh, as it was Lerone Murphy, uh, staying undefeated, moving to 10 and 0, I think now. Uh, with a TKO over Ricardo Ramos or Ricardo or Ricardo Ramos, I don't know which one. I'm going to say Ricardo Ramos. That just sounds more like it feels like that's a you know good nice name that kind of rolls off your tongue. He uh, he uh, was the underdog though here. Murphy was uh, about plus one fifty ish or so, plus one seventy as high. I saw it as about as high as plus one seventy. Um, and man, you know, when, when, uh, Ramos couldn't get the, the takedowns, uh, Murphy really made him pay and, uh, you know, finishes him off with strikes about four minutes into the first round. Um, and so, uh, and also put up a really nice score on DK. So you really needed him to be successful that night. Uh, and then also we had a, a battle at light heavyweight as Modestus Bukoskis, uh, made his UFC debut against the Greek, uh, fighter also debuting Andreas Michaelidis. It was a, uh, essentially it was a it was a weird stoppage uh you know in that he was uh taking some elbows i guess to to the side of the head they were they were really close to being to the back of the head but they were upon review the side of the head and then like the bell rang in the first round and he just kind of slumped down and he just couldn't continue so they called the fight off and i don't know if it was a if he thought maybe he would get um, those called as illegal strikes or something like that, but or if they were just like super damaging and, and he just couldn't continue. But you know, uh, Bukaskis, I thought you know he's a he's a good looking young guy. He's he's, he's strapping and burly, and I wouldn't mind seeing uh, a fight with him and maybe uh, uh, what's his name uh, that we just saw Yuri Prochaska. Oh yeah, that'd be a fun one. Um, that, there was a weird stuff, and it was I think the ref the ref wasn't going to stop it. But then it was like he leaned up against the cage and just happened to be where the door of the cage is. That's right. That's right. Up and then he kind of like fell out, sort of. But I mean, I don't know. I, I think that got looked at. They put a little too much weight on that, and that's what caused the referee to jump in. But I mean, he was just leaning back against the cage. You know, he didn't know that that wasn't his corner. He didn't realize there was a door there. I think, and um, so I think the optics were just bad, and that's what, what got the the fight stopped. Um, but Bacchus just looked looked great though, uh, and and Leon Leron Murphy did too. Um, I took him as the underdog in that one, and, and it paid off. And uh, then the first two bouts um, on the uh, on the card 
for the prelims. Uh, we saw Liana Jojua with a bit of an upset win over uh, Diana Belvita. Uh, that was uh, low-level women's <laughs> flyweights, man. That was uh, it was really odd because uh, Jojua, you know, she kept you know going for this arm bar and she really tried some um, off kilter techniques to to get this submission before she finally landed it. Uh, but you know, props to her. She, she got it done. And that was, uh, that was a, uh, a, 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 her first win for a Jojua in the UFC. And I believe, uh, Belbita will drop to zero and two. I don't see either of these ladies being massive threats, uh, in the division moving forward. And then in the opening contest, Jack Shore manages to stay undefeated. Moves 13-0 with a very dominant uh, submission uh, by rear naked choke over Aaron Phillips, who uh, you know was coming in short notice and the biggest underdog on the card. Yeah, that was uh, he. He pretty much ran through Phillips. Phillips landed six shots in the fight. Um, you know, got taken down a few times, and um, you know the submission was was you know right there for him. Um, and Jack Shore took it. Uh, Jujuy, I think they credited her with uh, three attempts on for that submission before she finally got it, but um, she kept going for it, and it paid off eventually, I guess. Yeah, I, don't, I don't see um, much of a – I don't see a very high ceiling for either one of those, those two, but uh, I think Jack Shore is going to start making some waves um, in, the, in the coming six, eight months probably. You'll hear about a, a, some good fights for that guy. 13 and 0 now, so he's definitely got a good uh, good record. And there's so many good, young, exciting bantamweights uh, that you can think of to match him up with. You know, I think uh, you know, don't know if they would they would want to break somebody's O, but like a Sugar Sean O'Malley or something like that. You know, yeah, he'd be a. I was thinking about that too. He'd be a nightmare for Sean O'Malley. I mean, you 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 would think. I guess we don't know what Sean O'Malley looks like on the ground. We've seen seen him in competition a few times, uh, doing some jujitsu stuff and. You know, he went to a decision, I think, with uh, Gilbert Bur- or Gilbert Melendez, um, and he did something else with, with another submission thing. So he's supposed to have pretty good grappling, but uh, I don't think he, you know, Jack Shores, that's his world, and uh, I think it would be a tough fight for, for him. But maybe like a, a Jack Shore and a, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, he just fought a couple weeks ago. He trains with Algermain. Oh, um, hmm. Dagestani guy. I think he's Russian. Um, Marab Davishvili. Oh, Davishvili. Yeah, that would be a really interesting grappling uh, match, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think that would be a fun one. Yeah, Davishvili just landed like 13 takedowns most in, in a fight, you know, so that would be a, a grappler's delight, I guess. <laughs> Then we had the uh, the third um, fight on Fight Island, our second of the week, as uh, we saw the uh, uh, Saturday card go down with a uh, title fight at the top of the, the card. It was uh, the vacant flyweight championship up for grab since Henry Cejudo has vacated the premises. And it was a rematch, uh, one that we talked about a little bit last week as uh, Joe B, Joseph Benavidez, uh, returned to face Davis and Figueredo. The first time these guys went at it, Figueredo missed weight, so he wasn't eligible for the title. And then we had a little bit of controversy in the stoppage in that we had a headbutt and there was, uh, you know, Joe B was bleeding and like goes to wipe his head and gets knocked out. So like there was a train of thought, I guess, coming in that this could could maybe still go the other way. But man, 
uh, did it not? Uh, this was, uh, this was, man, you know, I watch fights a lot. You watch fights a lot. It's rare that I'm like uncomfortable or like unsettling how one-sided a fight can be is Figueredo just beat the shit out of Joe B. I mean, he, he absolutely took him behind the woodshed and, and, and just ragdolled him, man. I mean, he, he dropped him, uh, he dropped him at least two times, maybe three times. It seems like, and, uh, and then he just choked the absolute life out of him. It was a very dominant win for Davis and Figueredo who did make weight this time captures that flyweight championship. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see who they can line up for him, uh, to, to face. We'll talk a little bit about potential contenders here as, as we move along, but your thoughts on this fight here, uh, the performance of Figueredo and, uh, you know, Joe B said that he's not done. He's, you know, that was a fight that I wouldn't have been surprised to see you hang your hat, your hat off, uh, you know, hang your hat up and say you're done because, you know, it's very unlikely he's going to get any more title fights now at this point, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But it looks like he's going to he's going to stay and stick around and maybe kind of be like that ultimate gatekeeper at 125. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think he might just fight one more time and, and get a win. Just the competitor in him is not going to let him go out like that. That was bad, man. I mean, he got ran through. Um, Davis and Figueroa looks looked scary for anybody at, at flyweight. Uh, it's the best that I have can remember ever seeing him, um, you know. And Joe B, he, I think he kind of, I think it's kind of what he said was basically he just wants to get another win, or um, you know, if he loses, he'll keep fighting until he gets a win, and then you know maybe hang it up after that. But it'd be hard to say. I mean, you know, a lot of guys would just feel so broken, I guess that um, that you know emotionally they might want to go out, they just don't want to do it again, but. Um, I think the competitor in him just doesn't want to end it like that. I mean, that was, it wasn't even, wasn't, you know, there was no, there wasn't a second of the fight that where it looked like he was, you know, going to succeed at anything really, Uh, (laughs) you know, and then the way that he got choked out, man, it was was badass. Yeah. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't recall the last like main event title fight that has been that, no, that. it looked like it looked like it's just like your average Joe who's never been in a fight before stepped in the cage with John Jones. Yeah, that, that, that's what it, you know. And, and it's, I mean, Joe B's a great fighter. You know, he's he's been in there with best and done well. Oh man, that was just bad. It was it was tough to watch. Co-main event, um, you know, uh, one that you called, uh, you called the upset here. I was on the wrong side of this one. It was uh, two ranked uh, middleweights looking to kind of emerge from the pack. It was Jack Hermanson, number six, uh, taking on number seven, Kevin Gaustulum. And uh, this one ended uh, with a heel hook in the very first round. Winner, Jack Hermanson, about a minute and 18 seconds in, uh, you know, Gaustulum, you know, he looked. He looked good. He looked confident. He looked like he was ready to rock and roll. And I don't know if he just absolutely overlooked Hermanson's, you know, grappling. I, you know, it was, you know, obviously Hermanson was known as a grappler coming into this. I did not, ex- I wouldn't, you, I wouldn't have been shocked if you told me Hermanson was going to beat him, but I wouldn't have ever expected him to get him out of there in just over a minute. Uh, your thoughts on this one? Yeah. Well, we yeah. talked about it last week. Remember, I had you look up the odds for, uh, for uh, Hermanson finish. Yep, absolutely. So I said we should jump on that because the, the guy is just constantly trying to finish you. There isn't, you know, he's he's not really going out there and trying to win rounds. If he sees anything 
that he can grab a hold of, he's going to try to take it, you know. And um, I think I think he said afterwards that his when he gets home, his coaches are going to hang him by his white belt for. Uh, <laughs> him. But he's one of those guys that I think. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't know that he's a white belt or if he was just joking or not, but he's one of those guys that does. You know, he a lot of guys now don't really train in the gi all that much, so there's a lot of guys that are top level grapplers, but they're it's you know they're never putting a gi on, so they you don't. You know, there's not a you don't get promoted if you don't put a gi on. You know, so much of so much of Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, and the ranking system is based off of the gi and using the gi. Um, you know, for for different chokes and sweeps and submissions and holds and all that. So uh, I think he's just a guy that that just grapples all the time and he's you know he's really good, but he just uh, doesn't put the gi on much. But man, that was uh you know Kevin. Kelvin could have gotten out of that. I think he just gotten he just got uh, caught off guard. You know, there was a few things that he could have done uh, to prevent Hermanson from getting it all the way locked in there. But um, you know, when once Hermanson saw it, he was he was going after whatever he saw. You know, the uh, feature bout on this one I thought was a very uh, very interesting one, and uh, I, another one I was on the wrong side of. It was uh, Margie Casey taking on. Rafael Fitzieve, who was, uh, you know, obviously known as a very good striker coming in, one of the instructors at Tiger Muay Thai. I thought Jacasey would just be too well-rounded and that he would get takedowns and just, you know, have more than just the striking. But, man, uh, Fitzieve was just uh, – those body – he was just landing just kicks to the body that were just crushing. And it really seemed to take Jacasey out of his game plan. And, uh, you know, towards the third round, it looked like Jacasey was starting to – was you know starting to kind of figure things out a little bit, but it was too little, too late. Uh, it was a unanimous decision win for uh, Fitziev, who uh, takes it three to three to nothing on one card, and then the other two cards had a two to one. Uh, your thoughts here? Yeah, I thought he looked great, man. You know, last week I was saying um, that if he if he could keep it striking, you know, maybe he, he would be able to to have a close fight with DeCasey. But I, you know, I just like you said, I thought that the the case he was just too well rounded. I thought he was going to be able to press him up against the cage and scoop him up and you know get a few big slams and um, just maintain some some top control. But that's not what happened. It was a uh, it was a great fight. Um, but Fiziev looked phenomenal, man. He he did the matrix a couple times. The second time they did it, where he ducked, he like you know like uh, like he was doing the limbo underneath the kick, um, and then he threw a leg kick off of it, like you know. It was it was wild to see, um, but he's a fun guy to watch, man. The uh, bout before that, females uh, in action. The only female bout on the card, actually. Another one I was wrong on. One twenty fives flyweights. It was uh, Ariane Lipsky uh, defeating Luana Carolina with a knee bar, a gruesome knee bar. Uh, this one much better than the arm bar we saw in the uh, last event with uh, the two ladies early on the card, and. Uh, that comes about a minute and a half into the first round. I was on Carolina here. I, I, I wasn't ever really too impressed with Lipsky before coming into this bout. But, you know, she certainly, uh, you know, uh, shined in this one. And it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do with her next. Uh, you know, if it ends up being something like a uh, uh, a Molly McCann or do we see uh, Tyler Santos, some of the one of the ladies that we just that we just saw. Yeah, I, I, that knee bar was nasty, man. I didn't know what she was even going for at first because the position that she was in, uh, Carolina's leg was just kind of in a – it was like sideways. She didn't have it 
in a position that it looked like she was going to be able to straighten out and get a knee bar from. But once she got that thing straight, man, it, she hyperextended it bad. And, um, you know, it was just a, it was a bad position. She was like locked up in a, uh, in a calf slicer too. Um, you know, it was just, it was a weird entanglement that they had going on there, but, uh, the knee bar was nasty. Opening up the main card, another, uh, pivotal flyweight bout, if you will, a couple guys that are looking to, you know, make their way up to the top of the contender ladder. Uh, number seven, Askar Askarov uh, stays um, undefeated here as he gets a unanimous decision win over Ale- uh, Alexander uh, Pantoja, who was uh, all the scorecards were two to one. I personally thought Pantoja won. I thought he did enough in the first couple of rounds to win. I thought Askarov definitely got the third round. But, um, you know, the numbers, whenever you shake out the stats, still point to Askarov, although Pantoja just had some really good slick transitions and submission attempts that don't really show up, you know, in those stats. Uh, But that said, Askarov, uh, you know, I don't know if he's ready for a title fight yet, but I'd like to see him fight like – Alex Perez or Moreno, uh, somebody like that. And then, uh, you know, the winner of that kind of have a, have a solid, uh, uh, statement for, for a title shot. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd like to see him and Tim Elliott just because of the scrambles, I think would be, yeah. would be really fun. Um, but yeah, this one, this one scared me. I had, uh, Askarov in this and, um, you know, it was, it was a close fight. Um, I thought that he did enough, but, you know, I was obviously on him hard, so I wasn't watching it uh, completely unbiased. But, um, you know, he, he just was relentless with his takedown attempts. Uh, Pantoja's takedown defense was great. Um, but, you know, he just couldn't couldn't get enough space to really implement his game uh, in there. And uh, so I wanted to ask Paul, but uh, I wouldn't want us. I wouldn't want him to be fighting Davis and Figueredo next. That would be uh They'd be a little too much. I, I agree with that. But Pantoja was going to step in if, if something would have happened in the main event. So um, it's be tough. Brandon Moreno is trying to get that next title shot, but uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they threw Askarov in there. He's still undefeated, and um, you know it's recency biased as well for some people too. Yeah, I mean you could you could you could use oh that was a weird feedback there for a second. Sorry. Um, the you could use the uh, the the narrative that Askarov's undefeated. I think right now as a as a good selling point. Um, I I don't think that he personally has has got just a very clear cut dominant win over uh, over a top contender just yet to to earn that. But you never know. Um, the uh, the undercard here we'll, we'll run through this quickly. Uh, Roman Delads, uh with a uh, TKO late in the first round over Cadis Brigamoff. Brigamoff's freaking terrible, man. Uh, I mean, I I was on him here I, like a fool, but uh, yeah, I can't I can't anymore with that guy. You know, uh, Delads. You know, he's an interesting prospect. It'll be uh, interesting to see if he uh, moves. Uh, you know. Uh, up the up the rankings and gets a, a big fight here. That's another guy. You know, we were getting all these new light heavyweights in here. We talked about Yuri Prochatska earlier too. Uh, you know, and then uh, Bukowskis. You know, there's all these guys and they're kind of exciting. So I like getting some fresh blood there. And we saw Grant Dawson, who uh, I liked a lot here. 
get a unanimous decision over Nad Niramani. And I actually thought Niramani fought pretty well here, even in defeat. I, I was impressed with him. I thought he really brought a good fight here, but it was Grant Dawson who uh, gets that win. And then um, before that, we had a an upset. Uh, Joel Alvarez submits Joe, uh, Joe Duffy uh, about halfway into the first round with a guillotine choke, and Joe Duffy retires afterward. Alvarez, one of the bigger underdogs on the card, and uh, Joe Duffy just never really lived up to, like, past being the guy that knocked off Connor a long time ago. Yeah, and, you know, he submitted Connor early in Connor's career and you know, it was just a, it was just a good selling point to get him get him in the UFC, I, I think, but um I definitely didn't, you know, I had him in that fight too and um he got ran through, man, that was wild. Uh, I thought Grand Do- Grand Dawson looked good. Um you know, the kid's a workhorse and uh you know, he goes out there and does it every time. Um, and Delotz is, that was kind of wild, you know, that guy's a, he's a jiu-jitsu guy, you know, and they keeps getting these knockouts, it's kind of wild, but he threw a kick, you know, and it basically ended up landing with the knee, um, there was some, some funny memes going around after it. Yeah, 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 you're right, it was, uh, it was one, it was one of those, uh, knee kicks, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was uh, meant to be a meant to be a kick, and he landed the knee, kind of like uh, I, I want to. Didn't Sahudo do that? Um, maybe to to cruise at some yeah. point. Like, yeah, yep. It was fun. The meme you may have seen the meme. It was um, Kadasi, whatever his name is, was like on hands and knees, like facing the opposite direction uh, of Roman Delites, but looking back at him, you know. And it said, go mm-hmm. easy, it's my first time. <laughs> I think I do recall, too. You know. <laughs> Starting off the prelims, uh, we saw an, an upset. Well, yeah, we had a bit of an upset. I actually was on this underdog as one of my only good plays of the night. Brett Johns with a unanimous decision win over Montel Jackson. It was uh, all three judges had that one two to one. Uh, as expected, Brett Johns really wanted to grapple. You know, he didn't have much in the striking department for Jackson. I think he got dropped a couple times, but like just very tenacious, very uh, you know, dogged efforts, if you will, to uh, get that fight to the ground. And uh, he ended up getting the decision. Good win for Brett Johns. I actually had him plus 200 there. Felt pretty good about it. Uh, Amir Albazi gets a short notice uh, win comes in and knocks off Malcolm Gordon with a triangle choke late into the first round and uh, kind of inserts his name into the flyweight division with a nice win. Uh, Armand Sukarian, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Sarukian, uh, Armand Sarukian with a unanimous decision win over Davi Hamos, who um, we had two judges had that one three to nothing. One judge had it two to one. And, uh, you know, the, it was just such is mainly it's a striking battle the whole time, which, you know, definitely favored the Armenian there. And uh, then opening up the card, we had two uh, shitty heavyweights as uh, Sergey Spivak gets a majority decision over Carlos Felipe. Ah, one judge had it a draw. The other two judges had it uh, two to one with for uh, for Spivak. Uh, that those guys weren't very good. Uh, your thoughts? I missed that one. And uh, I haven't even seen highlights or anything, but as soon as it was over, I saw people talk about how bad it was, so I don't guess I really missed anything. Um, Sarukian looked good. You know, uh, Davi Hamos is a tough competitor, and, um, you know, I think he, he got a pretty pretty dominant win. I, I, I added all three for Sarukian, um, but it was a good fight, man. 
I missed the Albazi fight too. Did you see? Did you talk about that one? Yeah, Albazi with a pretty dominant, uh, you know, grappling uh, win over Malcolm Gordon there with a the triangle. So it was uh, it was a good win for him. I, I was on that one too. I I was doing okay on some of these early ones, and then on the main card, I just completely went shit. Uh, these five these cards are tough, man. With with so many of these unknown European people that are just you know who knows what you're gonna get. You can't just go by you know records and numbers and stuff. It's, it makes it tough. Yeah, I killed the main card. I've missed a couple on the undercard, but uh, I killed the main card. And that will uh, do it for our wrap-up of this past weekend's events. A couple of things coming out of this here. I'll give you a little quote that uh, you know Dana White is saying that Abu Dhabi is going to host all of the UFC's upcoming title fights. Uh, with international fighters. Uh, and then, you know, we've talked about Khabib. He's going to be headlining uh, in October when he returns later this year. They're giving him some time off with his father's passing. But Dana Wise says, quote, the show, uh, the shows that we bring here, this is the only international destination for fights. So all the biggest and baddest fights coming up that we have are going to be here. If you look at our roster of champions, they're from all over the world. So the biggest, baddest fights over the next God knows how long are going to be here in Abu Dhabi. That's why I'm saying Abu Dhabi is going to be looked at as the new fight capital of the world. It used to be Las Vegas. It definitely is in Las Vegas right now. Uh, your thoughts on uh, on all of the uh, title fights going to be in Abu Dhabi moving forward? Is this something that Dana White wants? You feel like, or do you think it's kind of him kind of prodding at, at, uh, the Las Vegas or the Nevada Athletic Commission a little bit and being like, "Hey, you know, you guys used to be top dog. You're not top dog right now, and you guys need to get shit back and in, in running." Because I would have to imagine he'd still Dana would rather be at home running the shows yeah for sure i think it kind of was mostly a stab you know i mean right now um we still have the heavyweight title fight is scheduled to be in in vegas yeah uh, so they haven't moved that one yet but it's it's you know of high likelihood i would i would say uh, we may hear something this week about that getting moved but um but you know i mean it is true though that you know most most of the champions now are not american you know they're we have champions from all over the place, and um, you know I think that he's, I think he's he's doing the best he can just to keep the show running at this point. You know I don't think uh, I don't think he wants to be in Abu Dhabi, but uh, you know you just got to do what you got to do. I think at this point. All right. So uh, moving on to our final segment of tonight's show, we're going to take a look at this weekend's action. We've got a couple cards coming up. We've got the return of Bellator uh, to start things off. Now, that's going to be Friday night and Bellator has got a deal. I guess they've got their own like fight island of, of sorts, but it's just on the Indian reservation and uh, the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut. They've got their next four shows scheduled there beginning this Friday, July 24th, as uh, we will uh, see uh, a six-fight card as of right now. They, they already lost a the fight. They, there was a guy that tested positive for COVID, uh, Steve Mowry, uh, the heavyweight fighter, tested positive for COVID. I, so I believe they have scrapped his uh, fight versus uh, Rudy Shafroth. But uh, quick rundown. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this one, uh, but Bellator back. Uh, the main card is on Paramount. You can watch the prelims on their YouTube channel. Uh, we get 
you see the return. We got a lot of like decorated wrestlers here. You know, we've got the return of Logan Storley taking on Mark Leminger. We've got uh, Rofion Stutz, who's a Rufusport guy. I know uh, buddies with Chris Wright up there um, taking on Cass Bell. Uh, Aaron Pico returns to, to face uh, Chris Hatley Jr. Uh, Taiwan Claxton versus J.J. Wilson. Jason Jackson takes on Jordan Mean. And uh, Ricky Bandejas takes on Sergio Pettis in the main event. So we've got a couple of UFC uh, alum here. Here we've got some decorated collegiate wrestling all-stars. Your thoughts on Bellator 242? Uh, there's really good fights on this, man. I, I really like the Bendejas and Pettis fight. Um, you get to see Aaron Peter come back. It's always good. Uh, but I think, you know, one that, that may end up getting fight of the night is Jordan Mean and uh, Jason Jackson. I think that's going to be a, a hell of a fight. And then, of course, we have the final Fight Island card for a moment. Uh, you know, I guess we're going to be returning to Fight Island, you know, uh, in the fall. But uh, for this run of uh, events, this will be the final Fight Island card. And that goes down Saturday night. It's UFC on ESPN number 14, headlined by Middleweight Clash, as we see Robert Whitaker uh, take on Darren Till. Uh, in the main event here, it's a kind of a mixed bag for me, man. This is a 15-fight card. This is a, I don't recall the last time, we, if ever, we've seen a 15-fight UFC card. Now, who knows if we're going to get to 15 fights by Saturday, but you know that's a lot of freaking fights. Uh, but to me, I'm not saying I'm not interested in this card, but to me, it, has, it lacks a little bit of uh, the intrigue that I had in the other fights, just because I'm not a huge fan of the uh, you know, the returning, uh, legends, if you will. I, you know, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of interest in seeing, uh, you know, Nogueira and Hua and guys like that still. Now, you know, there is, you know, an audience for that. So I'm, it may end up doing really well on, on ratings, but the main event is Robert Whitaker, uh, who is coming off his loss to Israel Adesanya looking to turn it around against Darren Till, I really like Whitaker in this one, man. I think uh, Darren Till is tough. You know, he's obviously a solid striker, but I just don't think he's well-rounded enough to be able to to knock Whitaker off, especially uh, when you kind of look at most of his big wins have been against, like, blown-up 155ers at 170 where he had this size advantage, and I just don't think he's going to have that here against Whitaker. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm interested to see what they look like in there together. I always thought that Whitaker was a small uh, middleweight, um, and I think that Till's a you know a pretty good size middleweight, um, but everybody says Whitaker's a, a pretty big dude. So I don't know. That it might not be. You may be right. He may be quite a bit bigger than than what Till's used to. Um, but uh, I think it's gonna be a hell of a fight, man. I, I, I like Till in this fight, uh, but Robert Whitaker's a dog, and um, he's got he's got as much fight in him as anybody. So. Um, I'll probably be, would be taking the uh, the over on this one. Co-main event, as I just kind of uh, mentioned, it is uh, the third part of the trilogy. Mauricio Shogun Hua takes on Antonio Rogerio Nogueira. I believe that uh, Nogueira has gone on record say this will be his retirement fight, no matter what happens. Um, I don't know, man. Like I, to me, I, I just don't see this as um, a fight that has that that get, gets my interest in 2020. Yeah, me either. Um, I, I don't know. I don't haven't been interested in, in seeing a Nogueira fight in a long time. Um, and Shogun's just, you know, I think Shogun's well out of his prime. You know, we've we're never going to see the same Shogun that that we remember from from back in the day. Um, 
So hopefully it's the last fight for both of them. Hopefully they can both go out. You know, hopefully it's just one of those wars and and uh, and they can both go out on on a good note. Feature bout. Uh, this is an interesting one, I guess. It's the uh, Brazilian cowboy Alex Oliveira taking on German fighter Peter Sabata, who is coming off of a loss to Leon Edwards. Uh, you know, I, I really like Oliveira in this fight. I think the odds aren't too terribly skewed. Uh, I think uh, looking at it, uh, it looks like Cowboys about minus one seventy, but I feel like that's actually pretty decent value here. Uh, just the level of competition that that we've seen uh, a Cowboy Oliveira fight versus the guys that uh, we've been seeing uh, uh, Sabata get the better of, like your Ben Saunders and, and those types. Just I don't think they really. Uh, they really add up, whereas, you know, even though uh, Cowboy Oliveira, uh, you know, last went over Max Griffin, who's a tough guy, uh, you know, he lost to Mike Perry, he lost to Gunnar Nelson, but, you know, um, he's a guy that's been in there with, with some really, really uh, top-level competition in the past, like Carlos Condit and, and those guys, so, uh, you know, even even Cowboy Cerrone back in the day, so I, I really like Oliveira here. Uh, any any take? Uh, I like Oliveira, too. Um, not Not sure. You know, I don't. I don't really know a ton about Sabata, um, but Oliver's just a fun guy to watch, man. You know, he, he brings it every time and uh, goes in there and puts on a show. So, um, I'll, I'll be, be definitely be tuning in. Heavyweights before that is Fabricio Verdum taking on Alexander Gustafsson, who had retired about a year and a half ago. But you know how retirements go in MMA. They're typically short-lived. Now, the interesting thing here is that this will be a heavyweight fight. Gustafsson typically, uh, you know, campaigning at um, a lot of heavyweight. So we'll move up to heavyweight here, and he'll be a sizable favorite, about three and a half to one uh, over Verdun. Uh, you know, in the last time out uh, for Verdun, though, uh, you know, both these guys are, are, are coming off of of losses. So, um, you know, we got Verdum uh, who has campaigned to heavyweight for, uh, the, the, for all of his career. Uh, you know, is he kind of, uh, in the twilight of his career as well? You know, uh, last time out, Alexi Olenek got the win. And then before that he lost to Volkov. So we haven't seen Verdum get a win now in, uh, two and a half years. So, uh, you think this is a situation where the step up and weight will, uh, make any difference for Gustafsson? Oh, I think that he'll that he'll do well at heavyweight. I think that he was a, a really big light heavyweight. Um, I think this fight could go one of two ways. I, I think that Gustafson will either run through Verdum, um, or if, if Verdum is, you know, can can get back to where, you know, where he's, you know, you know, striking with with the, the best in the world, and he's the most dangerous submission artist in, in the division. Um, you know, then I think it could be a, a, a hell of a fight, but um, I just haven't, Fabrizio just hasn't, hasn't shown it to me the last couple of times, so um, I'm not sure about that. I think it's the best move for Gustafson. Uh, they trained together before some, I guess, and um, there's, you know, conflicting stories uh, from the two sides of, as to how that went, but, um, you know, I guess we'll, we'll get to see it play out this weekend, um, but I like, I like Gustafson at heavyweight. More light heavyweight action, and I, like I said, I really like that we're seeing a lot more light heavyweights over these few cards. It really seems like they're trying to get that division uh, up and running again. We've got uh, the always popular uh, and always exciting, the Bear Jew, Paul Craig, who uh, is going to be facing off against a Russian fire, uh, uh, Gadzimurad Antigulov, or Antigulov. 
Um, now, uh, you know, Paul Craig comes in here and uh, last time that we saw him, he uh, he had a draw uh, with uh, with Shoka. Who we just talked about, Shogun Mauricio Hua. Uh, before that, it went over Vinicius Morea. Then he lost Alonzo Minifield. Uh, and then before that, he beat Kennedy and Chuck Wu, who we know is bad. So, like, it's back and forth for Paul Craig. You know, it, it's he alternates wins and losses, but he's always in the fight. He's, you know, not an overwhelming athlete, but he's got tricky submissions and he's in his game as fuck. Uh, taking on Antti Guloff here, who's lost two in a row. And, uh, you know, he, he's got to have a little bit of sense of urgency, I would think. To, to get in there and, and get a win. He hasn't fought since April of 2019, where he lost to Miko Ochechik. Before that, he lost to Ayan Kutalabra. So he hasn't won a fight in over three years. Last time he won was in May of 2017 against uh, Wokim Christensen. So, uh, you know, I would imagine the pressure is on for Antigulov to go out here and knock off the Bear Jew. Yeah, I think there, there will be uh, a lot of grappling in this fight. Antigulov... Uh, it shows he's, he's got he goes for um, almost one and a half takedowns per minute. Um, Paul Craig is like half takedown a minute or a, a takedown every couple minutes. Um, so it'll probably be a grappling affair. Both guys, you know, most of their wins come by submission. Um, but I like Paul Craig in this fight. Opening up the main card, it's strawweight action. Now, this is a fight that had been scheduled before and it got it got pushed back because uh marina rodriguez one of her corners had COVID. so now we get it and marina rodriguez taking on carla esparza the cookie monster two top 10 ranked straw weights are going to throw down now rodriguez is undefeated 12 0 and 2 taking on esparza who is 16 and 6 you know esparza former title holder First ever title holder, uh, you know, at 115. Uh, she's won three in a row, just coming off a win over a uh, split decision win over Michelle Watterson back in May. Before that, she gets uh, decisions over Alexa Grasso and Verna Jindroba. Uh, and so the last time she lost was the Tatiana Suarez, and that's been nearly two years ago. So she's been kind of had a bit of a career resurgence, you know, for Carla Esparza. We know she's got really good wrestling, uh, you know, to fall back on. Uh, Rodriguez, the Brazilian fighter, uh, you know, she hasn't competed in nearly a year. Uh, but last time out, she got a win over Tisha Torres by decision. Before that, a win over Jessica Aguilar. And then uh, and she comes off the contender series before that. So, you know, hasn't lost yet in the UFC. Uh, she does have a draw to Randa Marcos, which is a bit of a red flag, I think. And then the other draw with the Cynthia Calvillo, that was her last time out, actually, which was at the end of 2019. So this is a pretty good little fight right here. And the winner, I would think, would be in line for a pretty big fight next. Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, uh, the, uh, a war of, of two worlds, you know, Carl is going to be trying to get the takedown and Rodriguez is going to want to keep it standing. And, um, you know, I think wherever it goes, it, it dictates, you know, whoever can keep it in their world uh, is going to win this fight. Probably Rodriguez is, has got, you know, pretty good takedown defense. She's her, her takedown defense held up pretty well, um, you know, and, and, but that's what as far as is going to be coming in there trying to do. So, um, I'll, it'll either be a, a real grindy fight uh, where Carl is just, you know, pushing her up against the cage the whole time, um, or, you know, it'll be uh, probably, a, I think, a dominant performance um, if Rodriguez can keep it at distance and, and exchange a little bit. 
Prelim card, it's a big win. I'll go over these uh, kind of uh, half and half. We've got the return of Kamzat Chimaev, who we just talked about uh, winning uh, on Wednesday. So he's got a 10-day turnaround uh, to face the Brit uh, Reese McKee, who's making his UFC debut. You're going to see a pretty good uh, theme of British fighters making their UFC debuts on this undercard. We've also got Francisco Trinaldo, uh, the vet. He's 41 years young, still trucking along out there, taking on the UFC debuting at Jai Herbert, who is a Cage Warriors champion, 10-1. and one, But that's pretty good, pretty tough uh, UFC debut, getting Trinaldo in your debut, in my opinion. Uh, we have got a heavyweight fight. It was originally supposed to be Justin Taffa taking on Rafael Pessoa, but Taffa's out and Tanner Bozier who we also seems like Tanner Bozer we saw fight about three weeks ago, give or take. Uh, he's on the quick turnaround to, to take this fight against Pessoa. Uh, we've also got uh, Nicholas Dalby taking on Jesse Ronson. Um, Tom Aspinall, another debuting Brit, to take on Jake Collier, who um, you know, I'm surprised to see this with Jake Collier's UFC debut. I was like, has Jake Collier not been in the UFC? But apparently not. I, I guess he's fought a lot for LFA. I knew he was familiar to me. Uh, we got Mike Grundy taking on Mavzar Ivloev. Uh, female action, Betch Kohea taking on Penny Kinzad. That's an interesting little fight. Uh, and then we've got Ramazan Imeev taking on Nicholas Stoltz. And then opening the card, another British fighter, Nathaniel Wood, takes on the debuting John Castaneda. Uh, like I said, a lot of Brits on, you know, these cards have been kind of, you know, obviously very international, and some have more Russians and some have more Brazilians, but this one is definitely uh, English flavored. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of fun here. Um, only only couple I'll touch on here is um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing Nicholas Dalby back. Um, you know, I think, I think that guy's got a lot of potential. Um, you know, and, and I like to see I like to see him in there. Trinado, man, that that is a horrible. <laughs> Like it's not even you know it's, it's you see guys come in that are champions in other organizations and get tough fights all the time, but only having eleven fights is is a little different. You know, a lot of times these guys have got you know upwards of twenty fights, but um, you know Trinaldo. Let's see here, Trinaldo's got over thirty fights. You know, and this guy's got eleven. Um, and so Trinaldo only minus one fifty. Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. I don't know anything about uh, Jai Herbert. Um, but Trinado is a monster, man. He's 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 not going to be a walk in the park for anybody. Crazy, he's like you know in these lighter divisions, you just don't see this that much. But Trinado is forty one, you know, and you see heavyweights and some some light heavyweights, I guess, getting up there in age. But uh, I guess we got a few middleweights, but you just don't see these these lighter weight classes uh, having having guys still being competitive, um, you know, after thirty five, really. So Trinado, 41, still in there doing it. It's pretty wild. Yeah, no doubt, man. And and, and still doing it effectively, you know? Like, he's certainly yeah. certainly dangerous. You he's know? a monster, man. I, I don't know. I don't know how he's not the most tested uh, athlete on the roster by USADA, but, um, you know, he's bodied up and he's ready to go. Now, here is a little angle that I like that uh, I really, even though it's a quick turnaround, he took no damage, and I really like uh, Kamzat Chimaev here over uh, over Mr. Uh, Reese McKee because, uh, and, and it really is just becomes down to like size and style because uh, you can get uh, Chimaev here against McKee. Uh, Chima, well, shit, 
Uh, he's a huge fan. I didn't realize he was this big a favorite. I thought for sure that this, the odds would be a little bit closer, but apparently Chimaev is over is like minus 1,200, oh, and he probably should be because he just fought a big guy in John Phillips at 185 and just absolutely manhandled him, ragdolled him. Now he drops down to 170, his, his home where he typically competes against a guy that's fought at 155. So, uh, and you know, I just think the wrestling in the in the the grappling is going to be way too much for McKee here. And I I thought that this line opened up uh, some a lot closer than it did, but uh, apparently, uh, yeah, now he's minus twelve hundred. He actually opened at minus six hundred. So it's a lot of money has come in on Chimaev even at, at big steep odds. Yeah, that'd be uh, a big one to play on. <laughs> All right, and that's going to be uh, this weekend. Uh, both Bellator uh, 242 and the UFC on ESPN. We'll recap those next week as well as start releasing some fights for the Valor uh, card. A couple of quick uh, things to wrap up before we go, Justin. It looks like uh, I just read that the Saturday, August 1st, UFC main event is off. Holly Holm and uh, Irene Aldana is now off. Aldana, I don't think they really gave reason, but it was Aldana that was out. They just rescheduled it for down the road. So now Derek Brunson and Edmund Shabazian will be the main event, although it will still be uh, only three, ra- uh, three rounds in the main event for that fight instead of the typical five rounds. Any thoughts? Um. I would like it to be five rounds, but I think it's gonna be a hell of a fight, man. Uh, Shabazian's a beast, and Derek Brunson is is a is a good test, you know, good step up in competition for him, and uh, just kind of see right where he's at in the division. Um, I think he'll I think he'll be up up to handle the task, man. He's a he's a handful. A couple other fights of note we may not have touched on that just kind of. Uh, you know, um, are relevant to our area here on that card. Luke Sanders uh, will be in action against Chris Gutierrez. Uh, and then on the uh, August the 8th card, we'll see Scott Holtzman uh, get his crack at a top ranked, uh, top 15 ranked guy as he'll take on Benil Darush in what will be a, a heck of a battle uh, for sure. And then uh, Ovin St. Pru will be in action there at the end of August. I want to say the 22nd. Uh, as well, so we've got a lot of uh, you know local guys are going about to be in action. Excited for all that, um, and we'll get into all of it as we get closer and closer, my man. Um, I guess that's going to do it for this week, and uh, we appreciate everybody for tuning in as always. Give us a like on our social media on Facebook, the Valor Hour Podcast. You can find us there each and every week, as well as anywhere else that you listen to your podcasts, like uh, Spotify and Stitcher and uh, iHeartRadio and all that good stuff. So. Uh, Make sure you spread the love, and we will talk to you guys next week. We're out. This week on Crush Performance, we look at some of the top stories coming out of the sporting world as professional sport is about to get underway. We've got a new number one ranked golfer in the world, and how much is a LeBron rookie card worth? And as the NHL gets set for an unprecedented run to the Stanley Cup, we talk with one of the top skill coaches in the game, Kenny McCutton, assistant coach for the Columbus Blue Jackets. We'll talk about player development, the transition coming out of the downtime. We'll talk youth development and staying safe in this new sporting environment. All this and much more on this week's episode of Crush Performance. 
Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. If you're a serious athlete, a weekend warrior, parent, or coach, join us each week as we investigate the latest trends and research coming out of the sport performance world. We'll visit with top athletes, coaches, and sports scientists to keep you on the cutting edge and to find out what it truly takes to achieve human maximum performance. You can visit us online at crushperformance.com and Crush Performance Radio with me, Jeff Kershell, can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and at Radio Influence.